I've been getting in my steps, lifting weights, and now I'm trying really hard to get as much protein as I can. That's why I'm excited about trying Clean Simple Eats because they're just that, clean and simple. Their protein powder is always grass-fed with no seed oils or artificial ingredients. It's third-party tested and non-GMO and gluten-free. They've got 26 delicious all-natural flavors. You really can't go wrong with any of them. They've got Simply Vanilla and other unique flavors like cookies and cream, caramel toffee, and even cinnamon roll. I have a feeling my entire family may just like Clean Simple Eats protein powder, and they're probably going to use it every day because it's so easy to put into your milk or a recipe my daughter loves to bake or in a smoothie, which my son loves to drink almost every day. You can It's amazing really in any form. Visit cleansimpleeats.com and use the code ASKLISA20 at checkout for 20% off your first order. That's cleansimpleeats.com with the code ASKLISA20 for 20% off your first order. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is Ask Lisa, a podcast to help people understand the psychology of parenting, now in the midst of a pandemic. Psychologist Dr. Lisa Damore, author of two New York Times best-selling parenting books, takes your questions. And I'm co-host Rena Ninen, a journalist and mom of two. Some of what we talk about comes from raising children ourselves. Most of the time, I'll be getting answers to your parenting questions. So send your questions to asklisa at drlisademore.com. Episode 28, Bored, Sad, and Smoking Weed. How do we talk to kids about drug use? So every night, my husband has been mixing these incredible cocktails. <laughs> really? Like, I, feel, I feel like we're on vacation. It's this book. It's by uh, a man named Derek Brown, who owns the Columbia Room in Washington, D.C. And the book is called Spirit, Sugar, Water, Bitters, How the Cocktail Conquered the World. Wow. It's fabulous. <laughs> I'm telling you, every night, it is the most perfect cocktail. We have done old fashions. We've done gin martinis. It's been great. All right. I'm impressed because if I have a half glass of wine, I need a nap. <laughs> I know because you're so small. You're so oh, small. I, I just, I'm just, I've never, I've never, like alcohol and my body have never been very good friends. It's just oh. how we are. It's just how we are. Oh. Okay, so you want to know what I'm doing every night, Rena? Yeah, tell me. I am watching Call My Agent, like you told me to. <gasps> what do you think? Well, I love it. And here's the thing. Okay, you know I live in Cleveland. We are yeah. freezing our butts off here. It is yeah. so cold. And I'm a little bit obsessed with staying on top of my steps because I'm finding that making sure mm. I'm walking enough helps me feel better in the pandemic. Yeah. And it is so cold outside that I'm struggling to do it. And so we have a we have a treadmill in the basement. And the beautiful thing about Call My Agent is because it's subtitled, I can easily do it on the treadmill because the treadmill's really loud. <laughs> and so oh. I can read my TV show while I walk on my treadmill. So thank you. Thank you. Oh, my gosh. The, in the whole point of what I, what I thought about watching a subtitled uh, series is you have to focus. Like, you can't multitask, but you just blew that <laughs> one out of the water. <laughs> yes. And I'm getting my steps, though it is 
quite literally this morning, it was seven degrees. So mm, I know. Um, I cannot wait till February's over. All right, what do you have for us this week, Rena? So we're talking about alcohol and when is too much too much. It got me thinking about substance abuse. And then we found this letter in her inbox from a mom talking about drug use with her child. And it says, Dear Lisa, having a son who's 14 and who went into freshman year during this pandemic has been really difficult. My son's group of friends began experimenting with edibles and smoking pot the summer of 2020. We thought it was safe and good for them to be outside riding bikes and skateboarding with masks on, of course. Little did we know they were experimenting with drugs. One of his close friends has really gone overboard. His parents found his vape pens and joints and all his paraphernalia. They have even walked in on him smoking pot in the living room and smoking in their bathroom. I know they've tried consequences, but nothing seems to be working. The boys are used to having basketball practice, other clubs and sports that they did most days after school and sometimes on the weekends. And now they do find themselves bored and with nothing to do and not much to look forward to. I think a consequence of the pandemic is really helping spur drug use, maybe even drug use at an earlier age. Please, what should parents do to put a stop to this before it gets even more serious? Oh, this letter hits on so many points. The boredom, the sadness. And the way in which the pandemic can kind of set the table for Mm. drug use to begin. And then as this person mentions at the end, to maybe really grow out of control, which I have to tell you, Rena, when I started to think ahead last summer as I was thinking, okay, this pandemic looks like it's sticking around for a while. Like, what should we really be worried about? Kids getting deeply involved with drugs or even trying drugs and then getting stuck on drugs was probably that and depression were my number one and number two concerns. And it is in the narrowing. It is in the not having much to do. And and I, I started to worry, and I remain worried. I mean, if a kid isn't going to school physically mm-hmm. and the parents aren't home, there are a lot of kids who, if they were at school, would not smoke pot all day. But if they are left to their own devices at home and they're bored and they you know no one can really tell they're high, they will smoke weed mm-hmm. all day. And that terrifies me. Absolutely terrifies me. So what should this parent do at this point, right? Well, we have two different levels here. So we have the person who wrote the letter who's on it in a way, right? You know, sort of like didn't realize yeah. I'd be doing edibles, you know, thinking about it a lot now. And then we have the description of the kid where in the family where it sounds like things have gotten out of control where there's use and it's unabated. So the first question is, what do we do in the pandemic? Like, let's Mm -hmm. say there's a genuine reason to worry that a kid is thinking about getting involved with drugs, already involved with drugs, and we are under pandemic conditions where clamping down on this might be really hard, you know, especially if you can't supervise in a meaningful way. So... The first thing we do is we just talk about the dangers of drugs. And, and like, I want to spend some time on that. But if it's already past that point where use is underway, um, parents are finding stuff. Parents know it's happening. And I would encourage parents to take it very seriously early and often, reach out to their pediatrician and find out what's available in terms of clamping down on this, maybe drug treatment programs if necessary. And the stepwise process I would do, actually, if a parent's worried that it's already well underway, 
you can work with your pediatrician around getting your kid tested, you know, urinalysis on a weekly basis. And so you can say wow. to your kid, you cannot use drugs, like full stop, you cannot use drugs. And we're going to start testing you weekly. And if you don't stop, we'll take it to the next level. You know, sometimes in hospitals, when an alcoholic comes in for some other issue, the doctor will prescribe beers or alcohol because they're so addicted to that, right? Is there ever a point where you just, it's a kid, right? You just cut them off cold turkey? Like, like how does this work? Well, certainly for something like marijuana or nicotine, right? Because parents are also worried about vaping. They should just stop. I mean, there's there's no withdrawal that is so mm-hmm. um, ornery that it's mm-hmm. dangerous. Um, it is true that for people who are really, really out of control alcoholics, an abrupt stop can be dangerous. And so um, when we say detox for like very severe alcoholics, that tends to happen where there's medical oversight just because the body is so thoroughly adapted to that level of alcohol. But an abrupt stop on, you know, marijuana, nicotine, alcohol for a teenager should not be a big deal. Like, well, it's going to be a big deal to the kid, but it should not be something that is medically ill-advised. But, you know, you tell a kid not to do something, especially at that age, then they hide it behind your back, right? They, they, I mean, I see the drug testing. I get that. Mm -hmm. But what is the best way to go about this so they really stop and they get it and they understand? How do you talk to them? Well, this is really, I think, gets us to that broader question of like, how should we talk to kids about drugs, right, with or without the pandemic? And my view on this is exactly in line with what you say, which is at some level, they do have a lot of power to experiment. And certainly, you know, in the pandemic in its own way, because, you know, we have jobs, we have to go to work, you know, they can do stuff during the day. And then, of course, post-pandemic, they leave the house. They go all over town. They can Mm -hmm. do things. And so for me, the approach that we always want to take when drug conversations come up, and this is, of course, presuming that you're already not, you know, far down a dangerous road, is to talk about it from a medical health and safety standpoint as opposed from a don't let me catch you, it's illegal, you know, it's immoral standpoint. Because first of all, you're probably not going to catch the kid. Second of all, they don't actually care that it's illegal. Like that's one thing I've learned about teenagers. The third is they may not share our morality view on this if that's where we're coming at it. But their health and safety goes with them everywhere they go. And they are, at the end of the day, fundamentally responsible for keeping themselves safe. Mm -hmm. It's so interesting to hear you say, talk to them sort of about that health moral, not so much moral, but health and safety. Like I am the Nancy Reagan, just say no to drugs generation who mm-hmm. she launched a huge campaign remember the buttons yep. just say no yep. to drugs and um not that everyone listened to that but you know it was a huge <laughs> nice <campaign>. idea <laughs> yeah. great idea in theory right but why why does that work the conversations with kids who come in to talk to you that might be addicted what do you think really works and gets through to them to get them to change their behavior well so if a kid's really addicted right or really in trouble with drugs alcohol anything I will say, look, it's your job to take good care of yourself, and you're really struggling to do it. If you can't do it, then as responsible adults, we have to help you do it, right? We have to help you stop. And that becomes the rationale for things like 
drug treatment, upping drug treatment. And I can tell people right now, even in a pandemic, drug treatment centers are figuring out how to do their work. So don't feel like that's off the table right now. But there's also the reality that by, you know, depending on where you live, by eighth or ninth grade, your kid's going to come home and talk about other kids smoking pot or experimenting with stuff. And for me, this is the golden moment to start to have this conversation. And our instinct in that moment could be the Nancy Reagan, like, well, don't you ever, don't you, you know, (laughs) just say no. And that's okay. But what's hard is they're still curious. They're still seeing that those kids are, you know, they didn't burst into flames, you know, so they remain open. So what I have done as a parent and also a clinician is when I hear about kids talking about other kids using, which is a really common thing, and how they open the conversation, I will say, ooh, that makes me so worried for them neurologically. And then I will do my thing. I'll say, look, here's what we know. Until age 24 or 25, the brain is still developing. And we know that drug use, marijuana use, can harm a developing brain permanently. And I've even said to kids in my practice, have you noticed that the kids who are smoking a lot of weed are kind of fuzzy? And they will say, yes. (laughs) And I will say, that is what I'm talking about. It actually gets in the way of neurological functioning, both short-term and potentially long-term. And so for me, the way we want to enter this is in some ways to say, look, if you're going to try a pod, whether you're my patient or my kid, I actually can't stop you. I mean, like, we really can't. Um, But... I really don't think you should because you have one brain for the rest of your life. It is your only brain. You stand to do real harm here, and you're the one who's going to have to live with that impact. Okay, you just sold me. We're done for the day. Thank okay. you very much. <laughs> okay, that, that really got to me. That is really great to explain that to them. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back on the Ask Lisa podcast. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. We spend a lot of time teaching our kids please and thank you. But one thing I've realized I haven't spent a lot of time teaching my children is how to be financially responsible. We started using the Greenlight app and it's made a difference in helping them have that conversation about money and to really understand how it can affect their lives. Greenlight's a debit card and a money app that's made for families. I can send money to my kids, keep an eye on their spending and their savings. I didn't think I would need this app, but my kids are absolutely loving it and they're getting the concept of what it means to save. I love the lessons they're learning. I love the games they're playing. I love that they are being educated at a younger age that you need to learn how to save. Sign up for the Greenlight app today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash asklisa. That's greenlight.com slash asklisa to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash asklisa. Earth Breeze Eco Sheets look just like a dryer sheet, but instead of being a dryer sheet, they're in fact an ultra-concentrated liquidless laundry detergent. It's really the best of all worlds. Earth Breeze is tough on stains and odors while being kind to the planet and to your skin. Personally, I get a huge kick out of using Earth Breeze. I love the fact that it takes up less space, is better for the environment, and yet it leaves my clothes smelling so good and it gets them so clean. Here's the bottom line. Making a positive impact in the world doesn't have to come at a cost to you. My clothes are clean, they smell great, and I feel like I actually did something good, not just for my laundry, 
but also for the earth. Right now, my listeners can receive 40% off EarthBreeze just by going to earthbreeze.com slash asklisa. That's earthbreeze.com slash asklisa to cut out single-use plastic in your laundry room and claim 40% off your subscription. earthbreeze.com slash asklisa. I'm all for healthy habits, but I don't trust quick fixes. This is why I love Daily Harvest. They take all of the work out of eating well, and all I have to do is enjoy. Daily Harvest makes it so easy for me to eat in the nutritious and delicious ways that I like. They take the planning, the prep, the cleanup out of cooking, and they deliver meals that are packed with vegetables and fruits straight to my door. The other thing I love about them is that it's not the same old boring meals. I love their dragon fruit and lime smoothie. I also love their butternut squash and rosemary soup. They also have this wonderful herbed squash and asparagus risotto. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com slash asklisa to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com slash asklisa for $30 off your first box and free shipping. dailyharvest.com slash asklisa. Welcome back to the Ask Lisa podcast. So Lisa, would you approach this differently if we weren't in a pandemic? I'm talking about drug use, getting your kid to stop and confronting them. Is it any different? Um, I think I feel a greater sense of urgency about it in the pandemic because I just, I, I do, I think so much about what could kids do in the pandemic, maybe because of the pandemic, that has irreversible consequences. And for me, Drug use is really, really high on that list. I also worry about eating disorders, which we've talked mm. about before. Yeah, And so I do worry in the pandemic. I want parents to be more hawkish. I want parents to be less relaxed about it. And, and I think one thing that's interesting, you came from the just say no side of things, which I totally understand. I grew up in Colorado in the 80s, where even then, I think there was a more casual view about marijuana. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I knew lots of kids who smoked marijuana and who as far as I knew, didn't have any bad outcomes from it. Mm-hmm. And so I will tell you, I came into adulthood with a more casual take mm. on it. Like, oh, you know, kids try pot. It's not that big a deal. And it's only through practicing and seeing how um, dangerous it can become that I've become much more, um, I would say, rigid about, like, you don't want to mess with this. Like, you really don't want to mess with this. And um, really trying to impress that on kids. And one of the things I do, um, which is a little bit provocative, but, you know, it gets their attention, is that sometimes when I'm talking with teenagers, I'll say, okay, here's the deal. If it is your lifelong dream to try weed, here's what you got to do. Number one, get to age 25, right? Get yourself out of that neurological window where you could really do damage. Number two, go to a place where it is sold legally. Right. So you don't put yourself in legal jeopardy by trying it. Number three, get it through a legal source there so you know what you're smoking, because that's the other concern we have about, you know, illegally obtained whatever is, well, you don't know what you're smoking. Like you have no idea what's involved in this. Right. And you're basically, you know, spinning the wheel to see what you're smoking. You have no idea. And then I say, okay, so then number four, you can try it. But remember, you're still high. Like, you can't mm-hmm. drive. You mm-hmm. shouldn't be in a situation where your judgment is required. And, and that, that way of articulating it 
really tries to underscore, okay, yes, you do not burst into flames the first time you try pot. Like, I'm not going to overstate the situation. But you need to think about this entirely from a health and safety standpoint if you are even going to consider it. And this is the only way, really, that you could consider it, uh, I'm going to use finger quotes you can't see here, safe thing, but you're still high and you still have to manage that. And you want to be really, really careful. You know, Lisa, the other thing in this letter that really struck with me, it stuck with me also, not just for kids, but for adults we're struggling with is these kids find themselves bored and with nothing to do, not much to look forward to. I mean, we all feel this way, right? How do you address this? Bored, nothing to do, not much to look forward to. I know. I know. That I just, that kind of gave me a chill when you said that because it's scary. It's scary to me. So another way we can walk up to this is to talk about it in terms of coping, which we've considered before, and to think about better and worse coping. So the problem with drinking and drugs is that they actually are a form of coping. You feel better when you're drunk or high, especially if you felt bad before. And so what is described here is using substances to cope with distress versus better coping, which is using exercise, television shows, contact with friends, um, going outdoors to cope with stress. So we want people to be very careful, I would say grown-ups and kids, about turning to substances for coping. Because here's, here's what's actually convinced me in my clinical practice over time about how, how scary this can be. When people use substances to cope with difficulty, they get a short-term benefit. But usually, if they start to make a pattern of it, the substance use itself makes things worse right, that they're having trouble sleeping, and so then they sleep in and miss class, or they're having trouble at work, and so they drink because they're upset about work, but because they're drinking, their work, you know, quality, you know, degrades. So the the thing that is so frightening to me about drugs is people turn to them for help. They get short-term help, but in the, again, finger quotes, help, the drugs themselves start to worsen their quality of life, Mm. and then as their quality of life degrades and they feel worse, Ah, you know what helps them feel better? More substances. Wow. And that's the part where it strikes me as just a slippery slope that you're safer if you never get on it. Not everybody slides down it. (laughs) One really, really guaranteed way to not slide down it is to not get on it at all. So just for adults for a moment, you know, I was telling you I I, I love a cocktail now at night, you know, but I have one and... When do you know as an adult that you too are taking in, whether it's pot or alcohol, when is too much too much for an adult? My favorite take on this is to think about, let's just say alcohol here, in terms of a relationship. (laughs) Rina, you have a relationship with alcohol. (laughs) I have a relationship with alcohol. Now, the question is, is it a good relationship or a bad relationship? And we can talk about it like any other relationship in our lives. So what you're describing is that your relationship with alcohol is at this point, entertaining, fun, is not in any way undermining your ability to be healthy, live your life, do your job, sleep effectively, parent effectively. It's just making your life better. That's a healthy relationship with alcohol. 
and those mm-hmm. exist. And I mean, I guess if you think like, okay, well, could an adult make an argument that they have a healthy relationship with marijuana? I, I imagine that could be true, right? If, if we held it to the same parameters and it was legal and they were, you know, we held it to the same rules. Now, I actually, it turns out, I have a healthy relationship with alcohol because my body doesn't like it and so I just avoid it, right? So that's how I maintain my healthy relationship with alcohol. But if I were to drink more, I would feel crummy a lot. I would feel yeah. tired a lot. I, it, in the next day, I feel crummy no matter how. Actually, it just disrupts my sleep is what I find. So I actually, I can't hang out with alcohol all that effectively and have a good relationship. So the question that we want to pose, certainly about alcohol, but then also about, you know, any substances, does it make your life better? Does it make your life worse? Net mm. effect, net effect. And that's how we know. Hmm. That is a great way to look at it. Um, when you want to bring it back to the kids here, you know, you're talking sort of about the legal component and it's no big deal uh, is, is how sometimes they justify it. How do you talk to them generally about sort of steering clear of marijuana and, and why they should do that? Okay, so the legal thing, this is amazing to me. Um, So, you know, over the last several years, many states have made marijuana illegal for people over the age of 18. Um, And quite to my surprise, I started to notice kids talking about marijuana like, well, it's like basically legal. You know, like they just Mm. sort of, even really thoughtful, smart kids, I would actually do this test. I'm like, so what do you think about marijuana? Like, is it illegal? They're like, well, it's basically legal. And I'm like, but it's not. It's actually not. It's not in a lot of states and it's not for you. And they're like, yeah, but it's basically legal. That it did actually, for a lot of kids, feel like a green light on marijuana when it became legalized. Though interestingly, and this is a very important thing to say, I thought the underage use would jump a lot with legalization. And the data actually never bore that out. So for what it's worth, yeah, I was surprised by that. But here's where parents want to enter that. If they get into the kid being like, come on, it's basically legal, right? Most important thing to say is, look, there are a lot of things that are legal and still not safe. Cigarettes are legal. Tanning beds are legal, right? So don't confuse legality with safety. That's not how the government works. (laughs) The government decides there are certain things we're going to just put on the other side of the legal line, knowing full well it doesn't mean they're safe. And so then, you know, what teenagers are about, what kids are about, they are about autonomy. They are about self-control. So I would then say to the kid, look, do not let the government decide for you what is safe and not safe. They have made it clear they will not enter that business fully. You are in charge of yourself. You have one brain that you're going to walk around with for the rest of your life. You guard it. Do not let arbitrary laws fool you into thinking that just because something's legal means it's an okay thing to do. That's the way to take up the legal question. That is good. Yeah. Oh, you gave us so much to think about from the brain to legality to cutting it off. But, you know, it's just without an end date on this pandemic, I just think that it, it's so easy to get sad, to get depressed, and feel like there's nothing to look forward to. It is. It is. But it's funny, as we've been talking, Rena, I've been thinking about coping. I mean, yes. this is a coping conversation. Anytime we're talking about substances, we're talking about coping. And so what we have to do and keep doing is to recommit 
to using healthy coping, you know, not falling into, you know, coping that really could hurt us. You know, recommit to the walking, recommit to looking out a window, recommit to, you know, calling a friend. And even, you know, very exciting cocktails from time to time, right? Like that can be a healthy form of coping if there's no downside. And right now, you know, in your family, there's no downside. So enjoy that. Mm. I don't know what I do without you, my friend, through <laughs> well, this pandemic. I mean it. I feel the same way. <laughs> I feel this is like our relationship and getting to be of use for me is yeah. deeply sustaining. And and whatever else, I almost think the re- pandemic is making us dig in to things that we may not have um, cherished So true. in the past. So very true. I still do not cherish winter. I'd like to make that clear. <laughs> I'm pretty over it. Even me. I'm pretty over it at this point. I know. Uh, So tell us, what do you have? We're going to do a book giveaway this week. We do. We have a fantastic book giveaway. Okay, the book is called Thrivers, Mm. and it's by Dr. Michelle Borba. She is a total pro, um, decades-long educational consultant. And that's important, but really my highest compliment, she gets kids. She gets Mm. kids. And the the book is titled Thrivers, The Surprising Reasons Why Some Kids Struggle and Other Kids Shine. Oh. And it comes out on March 2nd, but we have a couple, I think we have three to give away, mm-hmm. uh, our lucky winners. And um, if you follow us on Instagram, you will see the instructions for how to enter. Perfect. Well, that sounds like a great giveaway. And you're right, go to Instagram. And I also want to say we have a new LinkedIn account. So follow us on LinkedIn and you can do the same. Leave us a comment and you're entered to win as well. So Lisa, what do you have for parenting to go? Anytime. We find ourselves in a conversation with kids about risk behavior. Focus not on catching them. Focus on them keeping themselves safe. And the way this should sound, if you're talking, let's say, about marijuana, and a kid says, like, what would you do if you caught me smoking weed? I think the answer to that question should be, listen, me catching you smoking weed is the least of your concerns. That is the least dangerous thing that could happen. Do not worry about getting caught worry about getting hurt. Marijuana, drugs, risky situations, you can get hurt in those, whether I catch you or not, and that's what I want you to focus on. Thank you for having us look at issues in ways that we never would have, actually. This is the benefit of getting to work clinically. I get to see all the ways things could go wrong, and I'm so glad to be able to help parents steer kids in a safer, healthier direction. We're grateful. I'll see you next week. See you next week. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to the Ask Lisa podcast so you get the episodes just as soon as they drop. And send us your questions to asklisa at drlisademore.com. And now a word from our lawyers. The advice provided on this podcast does not constitute or serve as a substitute for professional psychological treatment, therapy, or other types of professional advice or intervention. If you have concerns about your child's well-being, consult a physician or mental health professional. If you're looking for additional resources, check out Lisa's website at drlisademore.com. We'll see you next week. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. 
depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.